can sell my soul working all day overtime hours for bullshit pay so i can sit out here and waste my life away drag back home and drown my troubles away it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to and that's where we talk about grain marketing now not I'm really depressed as hell <laughs> I had not even heard that until just now. Really? Yeah. Well, that's Oliver Anthony. Oh, gotcha. So, anyway, I, uh, it's here September. I was in a good mood. What? Now here I was in a good mood. You were in a good mood. Yeah. Yeah, but it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Because we're gonna talk about profitability on the farm. Right. Profitability. I'm back from vacation. Thank God. Aaron told me I couldn't <laughs> go again. He's like, you can't go on vacation again. No, just, you can go on vacation because you actually did some stuff. I did a lot. I did yeah. more singular work on vacation than I, well, leading up to it, it was just corn harvest. It's it's like just full send, done. Corn harvest. Have we, have we done a podcast since I cut the last of my corn? Mm, I don't know. I can't remember. No. Yes. So. We did? Okay. Yeah, you came in on a Sunday. Oh, right before you left. right. So it was only a week ago. That's right. Um, yeah, corn harvest is done for us. I actually drove by Ben's place. Actually, yeah, very close to Ben's place. And uh, you went into my house. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even there. Everyone <laughs> even like, hey, I need you to stop and do something for me. Okay. <laughs> Some driving home from vacation, whip out of the way and stop at Ben's house. Anyway, man, I'm telling you, like I said, that one field of corn on that one highway, whatever it was, that was Man, that was a good looking field of corn. And then and then out by Sublette. No, not Sublette. Who got the hail? Sublette. Sublette? Okay. Mm -hmm. Man, I, we're driving by a field. I'm like, golly, that's a cut Milo field. Why is that green cut? Oh, that's hail. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yep. Like It hailed. Well, it is today. Today is what? Uh, Wednesday. Is it really? Yes, it is. So what day? Saturday night. Right. Yep. Yep. Oh got, my! We got rain. We got hail. We got more wind. Mm -hmm. Oh, there was blown over corn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. If it's ripe, it it's down. Yeah. But luckily, there's very little ripe. Yeah. Um. Let's see. No, I took a trek. Uh, we drove. To, we went to New Mexico, and it was interesting. I'd never. Well, <clears throat> it'd been years since I'd driven through the Panhandle of Oklahoma, and it was just. The agriculture out there is really interesting. Um, you know, there's some irrigated, but dude, the miles of dry land wheat. I mm -hmm. mean, like 70 miles. Mm -hmm. And there's not phone service for most of it, and there's no gas station. Once you cross the border. <laughs> there's nothing. I, I call it the border, not the state line, because it is almost like a different country. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. And, and the cell is. phone service quits yep. at the state line. Yep. Then you got to be on some, I can't remember, Extended epic network. PTSD thing. <laughs> About have to. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but yeah. Right. No, it was, so I'm, uh, we're pretty much everyone here is done with harvest um, or with, with, with corn harvest. We did get three quarters of an inch of rain. I'm hoping it helps fill some beans out. Uh, we're still in, looking in bad shape, but. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, yeah. So that's that's the deal. We got humic coming in this week. A lot mm -hmm. of humic coming in this week for mm -hmm. wheat. 
um, dry spread, just busy. It's busy. It's very, good though. Very. Yep. But I wanted to talk to, I wanted to bring up farm profitability and, um, honestly, what makes sense on a farm, what doesn't make sense on a farm in regards to management, because I, I mean, I used to think, oh man, you know, I, no, I shouldn't say that over the, over time I have come to appreciate Ben's manage. I mean, just the way Ben views expenditures on the farm, because honestly, Ben looks at it in a different way than most farmers do. And Honestly, it makes a lot more sense after now, I guess, working with you for a couple of years now. How long has it been? Um, next year will be four years. I was going to say, it's coming up on five. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I just had a talk with a guy about farm ROI. What exactly were we talking about? Well, it almost comes along the line of progress over perfection. So many people, particularly when you're looking the next season, have this like infatuation that they're going to go in and they're going to get these things just perfect and they're going to have some perfect, awesome 400 bushel corn turnout. And it's all, <laughs> it, it looks great until the combine gets there. And I'm, I don't hear when people get into that, I very rarely hear anybody ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, it is rare. Yeah. It's just like the first week is just this period of disappointments. Yeah. The and, big reality check of, right. Hey, this is the rest of harvest. Yeah. Like, Oh crap. You know, worst thing it seems like guys can do is go in and, and start calculating yield because you always have a higher calculation. Than you think you're going to get what the yield monitor actually says. And I will tell you, and I've heard this from a lot of our very top end guys. If you go and calculate soybean yields, do the math, cut it in half. And that's what it'll be. Mm. I don't care. I've never seen it yet. If, if you mathematically do the count and then figure it back and be conservative, if it comes out at a hundred, I guarantee it's in the fifties. Yeah. And I don't know why it's like that. It just always is. Yeah. Mathematically makes no sense, but that's the way it works out. So anyway, it's like September. We're midway through September. September's a month of disappointment, more or less, for a lot of people who push top in yield. Um, definitely see that with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. My intended contest not, this year. Not that you, uh, you're always a disappointment. Just 81, a, thanks. <laughs> it just is a level of... <laughs> reality comes in so yeah this is the year where well and i mean you know you like like the like the cabin field this year in 2001 made, you know the contest made 239 okay let's tweak you know when we knew what we messed up I, what i messed up you didn't mess it up um you know go in there with an improved plan had we gotten rain, do I think we'd have beat it? Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Because I had corn on farms, not that I didn't manage, that I have not had the time because I haven't owned them as long. I haven't had time to manage them as long that had 240 bushel corn, you know, <clears throat> in the goods in the good zones. Uh, but you know, planted at 28, 28, five pop 28, um, which, you know, I had 30, thousand the year it made 240 
Um, so we actually backed it down to a couple thousand. I think I'm even going to back it down even more. I went back it down to 26 and we've talked about that because I mm -hmm. had, I had, um, I broke, this is one of the first times I ever broke 300 on a yield monitor. And I didn't think it was a fluke where you jerk the joystick, you know, and it's like throws some grain against that sensor and then backs it off. Like it, it held 300, um, for a small portion of this one little spot in the field. That's always been a hot spot. Uh, but, and that was planted 26,000. Mm -hmm. So we know 26,000 can do mid to upper two hundreds. Um, and in a perfect world, I think it could do 300 mm -hmm. really do. But yeah. hundred percent. Um, but the farm that was managed less made more. Yeah. And it's just a I, kick I in the nuts. <laughs> it's just a kick in the nuts. You know, it's like it, it literally the field, <clears throat> I didn't put fungicide on and I did not run the last foliar pass on out yielded the field next to it. Right. And so it's, it's one of those, do I think the foliar pass wasn't worth it? No, I think it was. It's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, you keep getting this reality check of, we're not in control like we think we are. <laughs> I had this whole talk with Aaron. Okay. So we got this Snapchat group for, for those who are not in there that are listening to this. We got this Snapchat, multiple Snapchat groups, <clears throat> and it's a bunch of us that are in there and we're talking about stuff. And I remember talking to Aaron, which is our, our marketing and operations guy. And I remember speaking with him and I think this is in July. Well, I know it was in July cause we were talking about field day and everything else. And I remember calling him one day, just agitated. He's like, what's up? And I said, these guys, most particularly Josh <laughs> yep. is going to get a reality, is going to get a reality check come <laughs> fall again. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? I said he's chasing. I mentioned you're chasing the white rabbit. Yeah. And so, fun fact, I popped the comment to Josh, white rabbit syndrome. If you Google white rabbit syndrome. I will Google it. I thought you did. If I you did, Google I, it. I had, but I'm going to Google okay, it right now. Okay, if you Google white rabbit syndrome, it is not at all what I meant. So we had this like bickering back and forth for a few days. <laughs> but the whole thing, what I was trying to say is that we were chasing, chasing this, this magical thing that can make yield. And... Uh, you pulling that up? Yeah. Um, it's essentially in a nutshell is the impression that you are busier than you actually are. Yeah, absolutely. That that's white rabbit syndrome, but you're that's constantly not at, chasing. Yeah. You think that you're always busy when you're really not. And that's not exact. That's not at all what I meant. What I meant was, is you're chasing this yield. If I just put some more on, it'll make more yield. Yeah. So chasing the white rabbit through the season. And that seems to happen all the time with everybody is always going to do something, at least one field like that. But my whole philosophy, whatever you want to call it, is as you go through the year, mother nature wins first. I don't give a rat's ass what you do. It's going to take its share first. You can do everything right. And it gets hot, real hot, hot, and then snaps off cold and then hail. you're done or you get hail and then you're done. And then the wind comes and then you're done. So all these things, disease, pests, whatever disease and pests are somewhat in created by us. So, yeah. 
And we um, can do quite a bit about that. Yeah. But these other factors with weather itself, you can't control. So weather wins first. Yeah. And then when it comes to profit, market gets its share. That's true. <laughs> We're all seeing that. And, and then you get to scrap time. up what's left at the end. And so that's the two things you got to limit the most. So weather. So if you get into these, these deals, people call me and what about this? And what about that? And I just talked to a guy, he listens to this religiously and he's going to know exactly I'm talking about him, but, uh, we talked about fluorides in his water. Hmm. And so we have chlorides, chloramine, fluoride, bicarbonate in general, all these things in water and whether or not they affect the crop. Hmm. His in particular is actually for spray use. So I think there's a little more issue. But I'm going to talk with our water guy a little more about that, that knows virtually everything about those deals. But um, anyway, very, very hung up on whether fluoride, chlorine, chloride is going to actually mess up his crops. And he talked to a guy that's very knowledgeable and he got really, really stuck. Mm. And, and like I said, this whole scenario is still being worked out, so I don't know exactly where we're going to be with it. But getting stuck on one tiny, tiny attribute of a crop. And I don't want to say tiny in this one in particular, but just as an example. Does that mean you're not going to water? Well, yeah, but it also means like, what's going to, what hurts your yield first? Yeah. Is it that? Or no water. Or no water, or it's hot as crap, or you got a lot of salt in the soil. I wonder if running humic would help that. What? running humic with your irrigation water oh no we're gonna look to a new product oh right yeah okay so but anyway it's all these bigger factors that weigh in first so you know the stave thing right you know i'm talking about the barrel with the stave there's staves there's also one with holes Mm -hmm. and what nutrient is matters the most that's your main limiting factor Mm -hmm. take that throw that crap out the window that's bullshit okay That thing needs to be full of all sorts of things, water, management, tillage, compaction, then nutrients. And then you got this smaller bucket in there, (laughs) but that's the way you need to view it. Because most of the time it is water first. That is the number one, whether you're have not enough, too much, no oxygen, you know, big pockets of oxygen, all these other things that can factor that first. So that's why I always try to like management first fix your management, then let's mess with these tiny things like molly and, you know, boron is one I think is great to add all the time, but molly or selenium or all these other cobalt, cobalt, these trace elements that, that get a lot of weight. So, well, they're getting a lot, a lot of weight right now. Cause they're exciting. It's, 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 it's the new thing, right. the micro pack, you yeah. know, we're going to change grain with micronutrients. You ain't gonna raise grain without water, mm-hmm. you know. So if, if because you were to I just... proved that because the cabin could not have been more loaded mm-hmm. with micronutrients. Well, I mean, it could have, but right, you know, we, we took care of a lot of stuff. Yeah, but the point is, is with the stave of the barrel. So for what, it, I'm trying to explain this. So barrel stave barrel is like a wine or whiskey barrel. Mm-hmm. It's got slats, and that's a stave. But anyway. If you viewed them as nutrition, management is the bottom cap of the barrel. If the management what holds it all together. Yes. If the management's wrong, there's no cap in the bottom of the barrel and none of the rest matters. Yeah. And that's my point. 
put the bottom in the barrel, get your management right, then worry about all the stays and how full you can fill the barrel. Yeah. And the lid on top is your micros. Right. So you can put the staves, jam them in the ground, and then start filling it up with water, and it'll hold some water, but you're never going to get it to the top stay. It's just going to run out the bottom. Yeah. So. Then you're going to be hydroponic. Yep. <laughs> so, anaerobic. That's you're, right. You have an anaerobic environment, so, then you're screwed. Yeah. So that's my point, is management first. Then we'll worry about all these other things. So yeah. there's things you can do in management that are product-based, but there's also things like compaction, planning populations, uh, genetics, you know, that's, that's one on its own. That could be a state, but, um, the ones we saw this year, uh, we're seeing a big difference in genetics in test weight, right? A lot this year. Um, certain higher, certain companies didn't really seem to matter. The hybrid had light test weight. Mm -hmm. Others, great test weight. Yeah. So the side by side, yeah, we're talking side by side. Yep. So genetics, they are a, um, uh, fun one on their own. Well, there's something else. So yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, management first. Um, if you're an irrigation farm, your pivot costs you every damn time. I don't care. I, I've been on a lot of farms, and that's the first error. Mm. Um, if you're a dry land operation, compaction, number one, because then you can't drain when you get too much. Yeah. Uh, you can't penetrate when you get, don't get enough. So just that's the main things that I focus on first, those two aspects. But they're both water-related, so water first, um, whether it's too much or too little is going to be up to the scenario, but nine, I wouldn't say 90, but probably 70% of the time it's too much water, water. Yes. So, um, and I know in the West, I hear that a lot. Oh, I don't know about that. And try me. It's too much, <laughs> too much at the wrong time, too much in certain areas of the profile, whatever. If the roots don't penetrate, you're hung you'll never be able to keep that alive. You go, I mean, for example, if we go in the West and we raise 270, 80 bushel irrigated, you come over here and you're still seeing 270 bushel dry land on about a third of the water that we're getting back there. Now, humidity, wind, not heat, because you still get hot, but humidity mm -hmm. and wind make a difference, but we're irrigating the crap out of that. Now, how come you can't make that happen? Right. And it's all profile using of a profile best corn years i've had talked to heathman about this not that long ago best corn years we've had have been on our drier years right We're, well and you've said this best corn is the one that rides a drought rides Ride the, the line of, of a drought yes right. it's true yep um because you make your plant the most efficient and mm -hmm. then when you get that rain at grain fill man that sucker yeah pounds we man. see it all the time in wheat particularly because People don't want to stress corn. So right. wheat, irrigated wheat. So Western homies, when you got wheat on a wheat year, dry land through irrigated, you plant the corner in. More times than not, on a wheat year, dry land wheat will out yield irrigated. Hmm. And it's because it's utilizing nutrition, water, and oxygen more more efficiently. On the, the right biome year. is actually more in check. Okay. Irrigate is twice as thick. 
twice as much fertility and twice as much water and it makes less. Hmm. So that's, that's a good example. As Ben says, just treat, treat wheat like a bad dog till the end. Well, <laughs> it, the easiest the thing, the easiest thing to do is everybody knows ideally what a good wheat year looks like. Yeah. You can ask most Kansas farmers, what's an ideal wheat year look like? And they can tell you, yet they won't treat irrigated that way. Mm. Now, why? You can literally make it rain when it's supposed to rain. Obviously, there's a period of how fast you can get around, how much water you can put down. But you can rain, make it rain when you want to rain. Why don't you mimic a perfect wheat year? Mm. And nobody does. Yeah. So... Corn, same thing. Everybody, if you could ideally put it on, when would you put it on? Wait. So you'll hear them old timers come in and all oh, February's wet, March is wet. Oh crap. It's not going to be worth a damn because we're too wet. We're going to get a lot of straw. They know that. Yeah. yeah. February, March pivots are spinning like crazy on wheat. Well, and we talk about putting in on late with wheat yet. February comes around. All you hear, oh, that wheat's going to need some in. Yep. Boy, it's going to need some in. And they guys... 30, 40 pounds, ah, let's do, while we're going, the, this is what kills yield. This is what kills yield the most. Uh, while we're making the trip, let's just go ahead and put it all on. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I didn't want to make a second pass. Yeah. Golly, man, it costs a lot. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's weighing the, the cost of an extra pass mm -hmm. versus which you might lose via, you know, evaporation, denitrification, and uh, just leaching. Poor and poor plant. Yeah. Poor plant use. So that's the three things that people weigh. How much do I lose to the, you know, evaporation before it gets in? How much is it going to denitrify, which not very many people know about denitrification, I found out. And then how much will leach through the profile? Mm -hmm. So leaching and evaporation is the main two, but denitrification takes a ton probably you probably lose half of your loss to denitrification so and i heard this the other day i don't remember if it was gibbs or someone else talking on this um what percent of nitrogen is actually used by the plant and it was a very small amount a very small <laughs> amount you lose most of it yeah so but that's besides the point the the thing that runs into the most is it actually costs you yield to upfront it. Yes. It will not hold. I mean, we talked about it a hundred times on this thing, but it just loads up. Wheat makes a ton of straw sets up because it has nitrogen in and assuming it can get the potassium in, but then lack in phosphorus or trace elements or other things to, um, to balance it out. And then you got no grain fill anyway that you just load it up on in that, I mean, in the West, we have a pretty hot straw market, so that's great. Or if it's forage, that's great. But if it's grain, it does not pay. Yeah. So that's definitely a thing. And we've talked about it and we can talk about it later, but we've talked about nitrogen management endlessly. Well, it's something that guys keep coming back to and keep wanting to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, but, um, you had a guy ask question about preparations for next season. Yeah. Prepping so, fields for next year. One thing I mentioned, I'm, I'm going to mention, I'm going to throw this out there too, because I don't think he'll mind. I'm not going to call him out by name. 
um, he, he was weighing the decision of buying a, an implement, a, a tillage implement, strip till. Um, he had it, he had hired it done last year. Wasn't real happy with the job. I don't think I, it's, it, it wasn't quite how he wanted it. And, um, so he's looking at buying one. Okay. This is the acres I farm. Does it make sense to buy this? You know, if I did so, I'd have to put GPS on a bigger, one of our big tractors. Okay. Well, you've got the cost of tillage tool. You got the cost of the GPS, you know, is it going to pay to do that? You know, and this is a conversation we had, um, you know, some of those things. I, and that's, I don't know, maybe cover what, or talk about what you want to say first, but I want to get into, cause a lot of guys right now, we got some money coming in. Mm-hmm. Do I, boy, driving by the dealer, equipment dealership right. is kind of fun. Right. You know? Okay. Salesman brings you lunch at harvest. Right. It never brings you lunch at the beginning of harvest. It brings you lunch at the end of harvest. That's right. After you're tired and everything's breaking. Yep. Um, so I want to talk about tillage. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. So everybody's looking to tillage. I got, you know, we got our cover crop homies, no-till homies, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so they're doing tillage just with a radish. That's right. So they do call it a tillage, <laughs> tillage radish. radish. <laughs> so, and it's... And what? No, it's white. Never mind. It's like, and it's red. No, that's a beat. No, it's a beat. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so tillage. You know, I mentioned compaction. I had a guy tell me one time the number one yield limiting factor in almost every operation is compaction. Mm-hmm. I mentioned water. Compaction's really, really close. No till or not, it's still compaction. You just you can't levitate through the field and put seed in the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what it would take. So nature's not designed to work like that. It's not designed to put anything in a field. It's designed to be on a plant and then fall or blow in there or a bird carries it in there and drops it. That's the way it's designed. And so you're going to have compaction, period. I don't care. I don't care how great your machines are. I don't care if you got 8,000 tracks on a tractor to try to disperse it out. You're still going to get compaction in, in some way or form. So, okay. Do you till it out? Do you plant cover crops. Do you do all these things? Cover crops work great. I've seen a study. I was there when they did it. They were using a petrometer. I think that's what it's called where you shove it in and it actually tells you how much PSI it takes to shove it through the hard pan. Mm -hmm. And a red root pigweed on a plow pan could not even penetrate it. It's like 750 PSI and it still can't grow through that. Wow. And so... That being said, I'm not anti-tillage. We till. If anybody's been by any of my farms, I have tillage tools. My dad's farm is piled up of tillage tools. <laughs> we just got tools everywhere, and yeah. we till a lot. But we do use silage and yeah, things like that. Yeah, but you guys will be like, eh, I need to do this. And you'll just go hook onto a different one. It's like you guys have tools for the use of a tool. Mm-hmm. It's like this field's, I've never heard you do the same treatment to every field. No, this field needs chisel because it's, you know, we got to break this up. This field needs a sweep. This field needs a disc because of this. Yeah. It's not so we like, have like oh, I'm going to go disc everything. Yeah. We have millions of tools. It, it literally, every farm has, so we have three mains 
and every farm has the main pile of tools. And then we have like the weed row tools that right. they pulled pull out once every ago. 20 years. Yeah. We pulled them 40 years ago and we still have them just because my dad's never going to get rid of nothing. Yeah. And so anyway, so whether or not to till one thing I'm going to say right now in particular is because we're got some pretty hot dry spots. If you have a dry profile going into the fall and it does not rain through the winter, that profile will be every bit as hard come spring as it was this fall. It will not freeze and thaw at all. Penetrometer? Yeah. Pen I thought it's petrometer. It's got an like extra a spectrometer. E oh, it's not uh, a spectrometer, it's a penetrometer. Well, I know, but I'm just saying like spectrometer. Yeah. But anyway, penetrometer. You can buy those things and you can shove them in and see how much PSI it takes to push through a hard pan. So yeah. there's two pans. There's a plow pan and then there's a natural pan, hmm. which is about, you know, your plow pan is going to range from, I'm just going to say surface to six inches, roughly, depending on the type of soil. And then your natural pan can be anywhere from 14 to 24 inches. Seen a guy, um, he's, there's hard pan. He has plow pan at three inches because of his <laughs> he, he worked the ground so many times ahead of a flood it swept all the dirt off. All right so it's it's yeah that, that that's some rough ground that's some rough ground and i mean i i was i've been like blown away by a number of people didn't realize that you can create a hard pan with a disc yeah, because it smears. That's what it does. If you think about it, you got this cup, take a bowl and scrape it through the ground. And that's how a disc works. And so it's got this smearing action. Take a scoop through ice cream. Yep. And it rolls, yes, but then try to shove your spoon through what you just tried to yeah. scoop and it will break through it. Yeah. Yeah. Disc is the same way. A disc is a smearing tool. Which <laughs> it, it, it's not a, it's a good tool to have around. Yeah. If you get tracks, nothing clean smooths it up better than a disc. Yeah. A VT, I don't care. You can VT that six times and it's still going to be there. Mm. So disc, we have three on our farm. We got a almost a 60 you footer. You got this monster thing. Yeah, we got a almost a 60 foot one. So um, tillage gets a really bad rap, but I use it... Um, I think it works fine as long as you don't get carried away. Mm -hmm. I actually, as time goes on here, biology experts, um, nutrition experts, cover crop experts, all these other groups of people, I'm finding more and more accepting are very accepting to tillage anymore. Yeah. To get the initial job done. Yeah. Um, you don't have to, I'd much rather see a guy till than spray the crap out of it. Oh yes. So, in fact, if I can take a, a spray pass out and then till it, I will. Because yeah. I've taken over a farm that's been so so stinking sprayed, it sucks. It's like rock. It's, it's just been no-tilled to death, mm -hmm. and it's never had anything grow on it. So, you have a, grow, a crop, and then it would fallow out, and then you'd just spray it all freaking summer. And then the next year, you'd have corn crop, and then the spray, and You have around 25 around. different spray tracks out there. Yeah, I remember when you took that one over. God, oh, you bad. were so mad. It's it is bad. You call Ben, 
the first three seconds on the phone, you knew exactly where he was and exactly what he was doing. He's yeah. out there chiseling that field. Oh, it was bad. I bought a brand new Ripper. Yeah. And um, I couldn't, I mean, putting good points on, not putting junk points on 60 acres and burn them right off. Yeah. It I remember that. that bad. You got done. You're like, already gone. It, it, it was, it was the funny thing was, is I would literally, if I had to take a piss, I would get out and take a piss on the points because it would sizzle it right off. <laughs> and I ain't kidding you. It was that hot. That hot. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's going on a shirt. Yeah, that's right. Been kissing on a on a chisel point. Oh, we we've all done it. <laughs> Sawyer put that one in the books to to make. Right. So, but tillage, if it is dry, I don't care. Freezing thawing ain't gonna happen. Obviously, cover crop don't grow. Yeah. So tillage works even better when it gets real dry, and then you're not losing any moisture anyway. Now I'm not. You know, there's tools you can use that are even better for. Um, um certain conditions and others i'm i'm becoming more of a pro no-till ripper or low disturbance inline rippers i think they work phenomenal but then again i have a lot of sea shank rippers mm -hmm. which are just your traditional shank ripper um and i use a lot of those too yeah so they're more of a vertical tillage ripper but um but yeah anyway tillage to take care of compaction, that's definitely a good thing. The other problem you can run into is in the springtime, if you till, and this one I can actually throw somewhat of a bone to hefties. They were talking about over tilling with a ripper and sinking away in the spring. Mm. That compaction is the one that's going to get you more than anything is that tillage or that compaction you acquire either field cultivating or planting. That's going to be your most limiting factor. So, Justin actually did a test where he was marking the tractor tracks where he's running over three rows and it was like 40 bushel difference Wow! between the rows that went behind the tractor and he runs LSW tires. So the tires yeah, literally like six feet wide. Cord. Yeah. 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 It's like a six foot wide tire and, um, even spreading that compaction out and he still has a major difference in in overall performance yeah um we're not we're gonna run out of time before we get to go cover a whole lot but let's talk about okay since we're talking about tools talk about when it makes sense to purchase more equipment because it's a lot of fun to buy equipment it's a lot of fun i mean i bought a grain cart before harvest um now i I had some things line up where I had some equipment laying around that I wasn't using much anymore. So I just traded it off. And one thing that I needed to upgrade was a grain cart, uh, cause it took place with semi. I was able to go through all of corn harvest, even the good corn, um, with one less semi. Mm -hmm. So that's less engine less. I mean, it's a thousand bucks to tag the semi every year. Uh, you got to get another driver, blow out tires on grain trailers. Um, cause of our roads suck. Thanks to our nice County. Uh, and you know, so it, it, it kind of made sense in my, in, in my mind, uh, and it did what I was hoping it would do. It would replace a semi, but, uh, anyway, and then uh, I got, got some other stuff off the farm I didn't need. <laughs> okay. So on the right time or whether or not you should. Yeah. To both. See if you can do both. <laughs> See if you can do both. 
Oh, man. Uh, okay, right time. I've been anti-buy anything right now for the last three years. Yeah. Now, I did buy a chisel last year just because I had to have... I, I had sold mine a couple of years earlier and then got into no-till ripper and then I got back into silage because the market demand went up. Mm -hmm. So I needed a tool to actually turn some more dirt. So I bought that then. Now, otherwise, beyond that... I've been like this whole, I ain't buying crap until this market comes down. Now, even this morning, we were talking about this, that the markets are looking like on the equipment side or, you know, that the material sides are going back down. Mm -hmm. So now's better time than it was two years ago, for sure, as far as timing. Now, whether or not you should or should not, for me, I very rarely, and I know this is a huge mentality of a lot of people because my dad falls in this boat too, that I'm going to buy this tool. I can probably make it pay on my operation. Quotations probably. Um, but I can pick up some custom work. Mm -hmm. I will never buy like that. That's stupid in my mind. One, you're already busier and crap. Do you really want to bank this whether this tool will pay on whether or not you're going to have any extra time. Mm. And so for me, that's a no-go. I will never do that based on doing custom work. Custom work sucks, by the way. <laughs> so now you know, we you say that and we've got a guy listening to this that's going to do be doing a bunch of custom work. Well, he loves it. He loves it. <laughs> so, He's young. Right. And has some time. Right. You know, I if you to, do a good job, the market's there. Right. There's people that need jobs done. When we first got into air drilling, mm -hmm. I air drilled a ton of wheat and beans and cover crop and also just, I mean, we were probably drilling 20,000 acres a year mm -hmm. wearing this drill out and it paid good, but it was in a drought drought. We picked it up, I think in 2010 and we were able to um, uh, make that pay better when we weren't making the money on the farm. Mm. So that being said, but a, a high end, high ROI operation is not going to get its return based off of till, or custom applications. Sure. You're talking thousands, not hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I joke around that I won't do anything hardly anymore for less than a hundred grand. But in, the, in reality, it's putting yourself into a level of knowing your worth and time mm -hmm. beginning operators it's less the more and more mature you get the, the more you'll do and i see this even in custom rates people that are are very aware of their value won't do it for cheap if you want them to do it it's expensive but, but they they know, they're job. not going to do it unless it's worth their time yeah and so and, I, they, and they make it worth their worth your time if they do it right because that's the difference between a good job done and a, yeah. oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, your more expensive guys are more thorough. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that fact, too. So, but um, that's almost custom rate on side. But if you are running around, and this is something I'm very, very against. If you're running around doing custom rate or custom work, and your buddy, you're, you're overworking on his operation while yours is sitting there and you're not hitting ideals, you're over there screwing around for a couple thousand bucks and you just lost 30, 40 grand on a circle because it rained and now you're two, three weeks out. Mm -hmm. Or it got real hard on you and you weren't able to get in there and get it planted on time. That's a thing 
particularly in heavy clay. So do your stuff first and don't buy a piece of machinery banking on doing everybody else's crap. Mm. So that's my mentality. Now people are going to sit there and say, yeah, but that's 10,000 bucks or whatever. That's fine. But for me on a high end return deal, it's my, the time's not worth it for me. And then you've got machinery and when you break it down, do you really make any money? Right. Yeah. I mean, that stuff's not cheap. No, So no equipment is not cheap. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, we're coming off of the, was it 12 and 13 when prices were stupid high, you Mm. know, everyone was 12, 12, everyone. I mean, I got neighbors, man. They just, it's like they couldn't buy enough new equipment. And my dad told me, he said, this is the time to make money, not to spend your money. Mm -hmm. The time to spend your money is when all these guys don't have any money. Yep. And that's, that's the philosophy I adopted on our farm. Well, excuse me, that's wrong that I have carried on since dad's retired, um, is I bought a lot of equipment in 2018 and 19, like right before COVID didn't know COVID was going to hit, but you know, interest was 2% mm-hmm. and there was equipment everywhere there. I mean, I bought, I bought a tractor not brand new, but not far from for a pri- for, you know, a price that I could go and sell it today, four year, three years later for $50,000 more than I paid then, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah. yeah. Now replacement cost guys to talk about, you know, it, like, it's like pickups guys like, man, I was offered $20,000 more for my pickup than what I traded. What does it cost you if you sell that truck to buy a new truck? Mm-hmm. So forty thousand more. I actually did some some of that stuff during this whole COVID run, but I didn't get a new one. Right. I just sold some excess ones yes. and capitalized on them, and then set on the cash. I yeah. did not. I did not go and trade off because it is totally a wash. Mm-hmm. So my dad, my dad always said, "What's the difference? That's all I give a crap about. If you'll give me three million dollars for my pickup." And you want $3.3 million for your pickup. That's still a lot of freaking difference. Yes. You know, money's money. It doesn't matter what's on that paper. I really don't care. It's just the difference that matters. So replacement costs if you're replacing. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think any more into that without just going and going. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's. Um, I think a lot of guys are naturally a little gun shy right now just because this market has been so goofy Mm -hmm. and it's going, this is almost a market talk, but it's good. I love these. (laughs) Whatever, (laughs) Guys, I Uh, love it when Ben talks marketing, he does it so rarely, so rarely. And it's probably smart because because I'm, because I'm a conspiracist when it comes to markets. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't like like conspiracy and reality is six months. That's right. And I don't, I don't really like, um, talking about conspiracies cause then the people, you know, people, that guy's a quack or whatever. So I don't really talk about it much, but since the market seems to ride these waves, right? Everybody knows this, but it seems like more times than not that the markets does whatever the world economy needs it to do. I don't care what's going on. So the biggest thing that I, I found is, is look at 
what's going on in the economy, what's going on in politics on a world scale. U.S. matters, but not as much as world. Um, and what exactly that means as far as markets as of what, what they need the money to do. So Russia, they want Russia to look bad. What exactly they need to do? Jack all the markets up, make everybody hurt. So they create all this crap. Wheat ran to 12, 13 bucks. Why? What's changed? Nothing. Yeah, they got a little war over there in Russia, but there's all this wheat produced everywhere. Now, we just had this terrible wheat crop in the U.S. Wheat stocks, I don't even know what the report come out with yesterday, but wheat stocks, I'm assuming, are, are I think, They're are a little somewhat, bullish. They're bullish for wheat, I okay. believe. In the market's half. Yeah, it came out bullish, and wheat is still only up like four cents right, right. now. Like, excuse me, six. Yeah. And so we are sitting on less piles in the West than we were last year. There's just no there's grains. No, there's no piles. Yeah. Dude, last I year there was grain there, everywhere. There's no piles yeah. out in Western Kansas. So the point is, is that I feel like USDA is nothing more than a financial regulatory committee, period. They do nothing more than set the farm economy based off of what world economy needs. Mm. And so all commodities, gas, gold, steels, you know, alloys in any way, grain, food, whatever. They're all based off of that. So right now we need a slump in the commodity market to be able to support a slump on what they need in inflation and everything else. Mm. So they're going to drive it down. Yeah. And so what matters on the market side, nothing more than what the USDA says. This is something that Ben has said over and over and over. It doesn't matter what's out there. It's what matter. What matters is what they say is, is out, out there. there. So a lot of guys always, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's there or not mm -hmm. because politically they need it to say that. And that's exactly what the market will trade because you got to assume everybody that's trading markets is in wall street and all this stuff has no freaking clue. All they care about is what the USDA says, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Whatever they need it to do economically for the, the world economy and U.S. economy. And to cover their own butt. Right. Not so, the farmer's butt. Yeah. So my tidbit of marketing advice for coming year is that assume that we're going to slump back because that's what the world economy needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at fuel prices. Look at natural gas. It's like two bucks last year. U.S. does not import natural gas, and um, at least I don't believe much anyway. And natural gas was, what, $10 or damn near $10 last year. Yeah. And, and why? Nothing. Just to make Russia look bad. That's what I think 90% of it was, hmm. is, is try to create this whatever. But that's almost, that's just political ranting kind of crap. But um. Yeah, marketing advice moving forward, assume the 13-14 slump. Now, 2013-2014 slump mimicked to the T. That's what exactly what I feel is coming. Yeah. Well, and if you're wrong and it doesn't slump, you've lost nothing. Right. You're sitting in an even better spot. Yep. Oh, oh, hey, Ben was wrong. Corn's eight bucks. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. You know. You know, and, and so I don't market... We're going to have to wrap this up pretty quick, but no. um, I don't market based off of fear. You know, I'm still going to be fairly cautious and I'm still going to move along the lines of um, 
uh, marketing based off of traditional, what I want to say, like market structure. But um, the thing that I would push the most is make sure you're not blowing all your money on agronomic input first. That's what I'm going to say for sure. This is coming from owners of an agronomic company. Right. Yeah, that's right. We farm. Yeah. That's the main job. Yeah. Protect the farm. Yeah. So machinery is always, you can always liquidate machinery mm-hmm. if you get in trouble, but you cannot liquidate lost value in phosphorus or potassium or any of these things. You can't, if it's in the field, it's in the field. You, you've lost it. Yeah. You're not ever getting it back out unless you grow it out. Yeah. And so I'm more cautious. It. Yeah. That's another topic, but yeah, invest in the soil in something that's actually going to pay. Now that's almost debatable, but invest in something that will long-term pay out versus, um, you know, things that are bang and done. Yeah. And then also be cautious on agronomic input because it's something you can't retrieve out if you do not grow it. Yeah. So that's, that's another good top podcast topic. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Risk in the risk in the uh, equipment side and the marketing side. Then we talk about risk. What we talk about we talk getting investment out of the ground. Right. It, it's definitely a. Um, I mean, it's a long conversation a person could have because I'm sitting here saying you can invest in equipment because you can sell it, but don't buy something that you don't necessarily need either. So it's almost kind of like, well, which way is it? Yeah. Well, it's up for you to decide. This is my take. For sure. Well, we got to wrap this one up, but uh, this is a good podcast. That was a good discussion. I, was, I enjoyed that. I appreciated that. Um, anyway, I think it's something guys will find useful. Uh, anything else we need to add? Not no. without making it 30, 40 minutes longer. I know. That's right. <laughs> so. We got we to gotta wrap it up. So, guys, thank you. Uh, rate and share this podcast if you would. Uh, let's see. Our website is up, singleagronomics.com social medias, everything else. Yeah. So appreciate you guys. Your, your support's really helping this grow and, uh, we're thankful for it and we'll catch you next time. Catch everybody later. See ya.